Hi, I'm Brooke Dean. And I'm Sarah Joseph. And we're single moms. Doing the most. What's going on? <laughs> we're uh, rocking and rolling, rolling and rocking. Not now. Episode 11? I, yeah. Wow. We're doing good. We're doing good. <laughs> uh, especially after the weeks we've been having at work. I'm proud of us finding the time because, oof, not enough hours in the day. Baby, the week was a struggle bus for real. <laughs> Last week felt like two weeks <laughs> in one week. By Tuesday, I was like, why is it not Friday? What's going on? Thursday came oh, out. Yeah. You know, I actually woke up Thursday and was like, you know what? Well, at least it's Friday. And here comes my ever-loving bubble popper. Mommy, it's Thursday. Thanks, baby. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for wrecking my dreams. <laughs> Love you. All right. So what are we talking about today? All right, y'all. So um, we've all heard, you know, the Kirk Franklin thing with his son and how that went down. And I actually had the opportunity to listen to the mom, the mom side of things, the, um, you know, Kirk's first relationship with the mother of his son. And after listening to her, she had said something and I grabbed onto it and it was kind of like as they as your child gets older are you still parenting or are you now a counselor and a consultant in their lives so it's kind of like at what point do you stop parenting and turn into a consultant for your children because yeah. let's be real he's a whole 33 year old it's not like right a kid it's not like it's some high school kid with, you know, drama and things. And granted, they did speak of his past and all the things that they've been dealing with with him. But he's also 33 going on 34. We have two young babies. Of course, we're going to be parenting for <laughs> We're going to be parenting for a while. Obviously. Right. But at what point is it now you're no longer giving direction, but advice? Think of how, you know, think of how you are with your mom and how I am with my mom. She can give me advice. She can give me what she thinks I should do, what would be best for me. But ultimately, it's my decision versus Elijah. It's not so much I'm giving him advice. It's okay. Here are your options. Pick one. But here's what we're going to do. Right. You know, so I was like, huh. That, that's a really, that's, that's a question. I'm like, huh. I think I should figure that out early. <laughs> like, I think I should, I should really yeah. <laughs> probably figure this out early because I don't want to be that's a good year old son sitting at my house and I'm looking at him like, why are you still here? I didn't do my job very well. So right, right, right. That's well, you know, because that's what they say. Like you're from the time that they're born, a parent's job is to prepare them to leave. Exactly. And you know, with that in mind, it's bittersweet because it's like, if you do your job well, they're supposed to leave. They're gone and they're independent and they're doing their own thing. And, and as a mom, you, you, oh, that's my baby. You know what I mean? And, and they're gone. But at the same time, if they are still there, like you said, at 33, popping off at the mouth, being disrespectful and stuff, you're like, oh, I still failed some type of way because where is coming from? So, I mean, I, I, I think the transition for me, probably was after I graduated from college. Mm -hmm. 
because I remember distinctly, it was the funniest thing ever. My sister said to me, she called me up and she was like, don't you know, mommy asked me what your curfew should be when you come home from college, like after you graduate. And I was like, curfew? Like, since when did I have a curfew? Like, I haven't had a curfew in four years in college. Like, I've been away from home. I was, I didn't go to, I didn't live at home in college and stuff. So I was like, I came and went as I pleased. And now that I was coming back home at 22, you talking about curfews? Like, where they do that at? <laughs> you know? So in her mind, I'm sure she still looked at me like her child who she had to rein in or give rules to curfew. And I'm, I, I was like, I don't need that. And I had a full job. I was self-sufficient. I paid my own bills. I had my own car. Like I wasn't relying on my mom for my care anymore, which was a good thing. So that's why I was like, even more so confused. Like you're going to regulate when I come in the house now and granted, like, I think I lived at home for like a year. But you, know black parents. but you know, black parents, as long as you live under my roof, you under exactly. my roof. Right. <laughs> so. And that's why exactly when, and once she was putting that hammer down like that, I was like, oh, it's time for me to move. I don't care where it is. I don't care if it's in a room somewhere or whatever. Like we're not doing it. Cause it was, it was affecting our relationship and my relationship meant so much to me with my mom that I didn't want to damage it because she was still seeing me as a child mm-hmm. who had been living on, you know, I would come home in the summers from college, but for the most part, from August till May, I was self-sufficient living on my own, paying rent in college. I had my own student loans. I had, like, I didn't ask my mother for anything the whole time as I was at Syracuse. So when I came home and she's like talking about curfews, it was almost like a slap in the face because I'm like, I can take care of myself. And not only am I taking care of myself, but I'm taking care of some of your bills too. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you're really not trying to regulate right now and it wasn't like I was this wild child hanging out at night where I was coming home disrespecting the house and disrupting everything but her thing was like all you do is go to work and come home and on the weekend you go to New York and you go visit your friends and I was living my life I just happened to rest my head there during the week but I had a I was like it's not like I'm going to the club every night I'm coming home I talk to you for a minute I go to bed I worked at the radio station I was there 5 30 in the morning left there went to the WB I was there till like I was being a fully responsible adult. So I was like, not that I didn't need her anymore, but not in the same way. Mm-hmm. Like, I still need you to be my mom mm-hmm. and be supportive and all the things, mm-hmm. but you don't have to parent me mm-hmm. like you did before I went to college. <laughs> yeah, you. And I'm like, mom, you did a good job. Like, hello, like, I'm not the kid that you're, <laughs> yeah, I'm not living in your basement. I'm not bringing home any babies. I'm not smoking weed and on crack and alcohol and yeah so I was just like where is this coming from you know what I mean so I think now I understand it as a parent it's hard to let go and I think she was so happy for me to be back home but be happy that I'm home but not home to parent me like it was hard for her to figure out her role in my life as not the mom especially because it was just the three of us growing up like my mom raised two daughters as a single mom. So she dedicated her life to that. So I think even now she still struggles with boundaries. Yeah. And, and like she, now it's good that she has grandparents, grandkids to focus on. But for a while, me and my sister had to be like, this is my house. (laughs) 
these are my role, you know, this is my thing. And so it took her a minute to like, let go. Like my kids don't need me in the same capacity. They don't need me to take care of them, to parent them. Now I'm just here as a sounding board. Now I'm just here as an ear, a shoulder and that sort of thing. So I was really disheartened when I heard about the Kurt Franklin thing. I didn't hear the, the mother's side of the story, how you just explained it. But when I heard about their disagreement, all I heard was two grown men. Mm-hmm. And to me at 33, if you can pop mm-hmm. off to your parent like that, then they are absolutely well within their right to pop off back and let you and let you remember and realize who you're talking to. Because Jackson will never get to an age where he can talk to me crazy I don't care what's going on. It, that's not happening. So I was all for it. Like I didn't look at Kerr Franklin, no type of way. People were clutched to pearls. Like man of God does not mean perfect. Okay. He's still a human being. He didn't have to explain to nobody. He didn't have to apologize to nobody. That's him and his child, his fully grown child at that. Like now you're not my son. Now you are fully grown 33 year old man talking reckless. And if you want to talk greasy to me, your father, I don't care what the relationship is, you you get it back. So who were and I, you know, I saw people in different comments, like, you know, one girl was like, so parents can be disrespectful to grown adults and that be okay. And everybody was just and you know, you had people who had different of view and I understood where she was came, coming from. It's one thing if you have a broken relationship with your parents if they weren't in the picture, if they weren't readily available to parent you and they're talking reckless to you, you have no respect for them. I get that. It happens all the time. However, in this instance, okay, I'll give you a prime example. My mother, it's so funny. She has issues with my sister going out with her boyfriend or going away. And I'm like, mom, this girl has been in school she was away at school just like you she was away at school lived her life came in and went as she pleased then she moved to philly for two years after school lived her life came in and went as she pleased so she comes back here and you have issues with her going out even me it's the funniest thing i'm like wait a minute hold on a minute i'm fully i'm fully 38 years old what's happening why are you questioning my whereabouts what are you, right. you know, like it's that it's that it's hard for them to let go. But I think in my mom's case, a lot of it for her, I think she's gotten to the point where she's scared of being alone, you know, with her health issues and things. So that's right. my sister and I, we do try to make sure we don't go out the same weekend. If she's going out one day and I'm going out the other day, because, you know, they live with me now because I've taken care of everybody since Rona happened. Everybody's at my house. Right, right. (laughs) So I've had to make accommodations for everybody to be in my space. Um, Even while I should be, even before Rona, when she first got sick, um, you know, my sister was living in Philly. I was like, all right, I'm not feeling comfortable. My father just died. So guess what you're doing? (laughs) You're moving in with me, (laughs) you know? but it's so funny to watch her have issues with her full 24-year-old daughter and her full 38-year-old daughter go out and live their lives. Where it's like, where are you guys? We're out. What time are you coming home? When we come home? <laughs> <laughs> I get there when I get there. When I get there, boo. We're fine. We're okay. You're okay. You're good. Um, and in the Kurt Franklin 
you know, thing. I know it's it's past, but the reason I said I wanted to bring it up is because it really does get to the point where you're looking at your kids as adults. And if you're not looking at them as adults, I think you're hindering them. If you're still looking at them as a child that you have to take care of, as a child that you have to provide for, as a child that you have to parent, you are, in a sense, to me, you're hindering them. You're stopping their growth because you're not allowing them to have experiences to fail. You're not allowing them experiences to thrive. So at some point in time, your child, you have to turn into a counselor. You can turn to the advisor. You can turn to be the consultant. You can turn to be the financial consultant, the therapy, help them find resources, which is what I think as you get older, that's what you have to do. And then once you yourself as the child, at some point in time, we turn into the parent because now that her health is not like a hundred percent, I've turned into the parent. I'm the one that's like, you can't eat that. <laughs> I'm the one that's like, no, you can't have that. The doctor said, no, I'm regulating right. he's eating. I'm regulating her medicine. My sister is taking her to a doctor's appointment. We're making sure all her forms and disabilities and all the, all the things are done. So it's kind of role reversal now where I'm parenting my parent. Right. And not so, and I, you know, we say it that way, but I don't think I'm parenting my parent, but I am aiding her as she gets older and, you know, her health, we're, you know, making sure it doesn't go on a rapid decline, that she stays healthy for as long as possible and, you know, making sure that she does not feel this sense of life loss because, you know, sometimes I talk to her and I'm just like, how are you feeling mom? And I can, I can tell from being a vibrant woman who, since I was little held no less than three jobs, you know, got herself to the point where she bought her own house. A whole immigrant came here from Haiti, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. life for herself, bought her own house, paid off her car, got her job, got her degree, went to school, became a nurse. So I see all of these things. And for her, I know it hurts her to see the woman she used to be kind of be on a decline. Mm -hmm. I'm mindful of that as her daughter, but at the same time, I need her to be mindful that I've taken on a lot of responsibilities. And in a sense, I'm like, well, I don't know can't really parent me anymore mom I've mm-hmm. it, you know the ball's in my court especially because you're a whole other parent to someone else oh, because now it's like yes. you're parenting twice it's like you have two kids yes. and That's you know unfortunately the child forget that I got three right. <laughs> exactly and so you know I'm not to that extent yet um thankfully um but my mom has had open heart surgery she has underlying health issues like I do worry about her living alone but she is still a very spry 70 year old who can go to work and go to and do the things but I can tell even now like it's going to be a question one day like okay which daughter are you going to live with Mm -hmm. at what point are you not okay by yourself Mm -hmm. and these are things that you worry about especially for me, because I'm going to be at a certain age because I had Jackson later. Mm-hmm. So when I'm ready to retire and my, like, my, is my son going off to college and my mother coming with me? Mm-hmm. Where's, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's this crazy, it's funny how it is the reversal of the parenting and the things, but sometimes they forget, like the respect will always be yes. there. But it also has to be reciprocated as I'm yes. respecting you as my mother you now have to respect me as a grown adult and right. I said, who has her own child, who has her own career, 
who's trying to do all the things to live a full, happy life. So I'm not in any way looking at my mother in any kind of light that's disrespectful because she's just turned 60. So she's turning 61 this year and she's still able mm-hmm. to work which she wants to do. She's still able to work. She's still able to drive. She's still able to do all the things, but I can see, you know, the woman that I grew up knowing right. is not fully present. You know, the, the, she's not, and it's not that she wouldn't, it's because her health, she just doesn't have to her health is not enabling her. And I keep telling her like, you know, her car broke down. Well, it didn't break down. Like she had brake issues and things um, going on. And I took the car and I fixed it and, you know, paid for it. And then, you know, when I came home, she was like, well, how much do I owe you? I was like, mom, you don't owe me anything. And she was, and I could tell that I hurt her. And I said, mom, right now, the only thing I need you to make sure you do is you don't leave me with a car note. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I have two cars, both paid off. The only thing I need you to do right now, whatever money you have in the bank right now, while you are on this short-term disability healing and getting better and getting well so that you can go back to work, pay your car note. That's all I need right. to do. All the right. other things I got. The other, the last thing I need you to do is to drop that on my life. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> you can just chill out. <laughs> let mm-hmm. me do the things that I need to do. If I get to the point where I feel like the money, I don't have it, I will let you know. Mm-hmm. There are certain things that I know, look, we can't do that this month. I don't have yeah. it. Right. Gladly, thank God, I'm not in that position. You know, I'm smart with my money. You know, mm-hmm. we're both hoarders. Brooke and I, look. You give us a <laughs> I'll hold on to a dollar, boy. <laughs> okay. I will rationale myself out of buying the things that I need. Even today, mm-hmm. you know, just like I need sneakers. I'm running five, six miles a day. I need good running shoes. Mm-hmm. And I made that investment because for me, it was like, okay, this is towards my health. This is toward my well being. I'm going to go ahead and make that investment. But baby, I walked by this Michael Kors bag that was fly. <laughs> I saw the tag and I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. I can't do it. I can't, but I won't do it. Mm -hmm. Her to understand, you know, while as I respect her as my mom, as my sister respect her as a mom, she has two fully grown daughters who never snuck out the house. They lied to her. We had no boys sneaking in through windows. Mm -hmm. We weren't out partying. We weren't out clubbing. We weren't out smoking, getting drunk. And I'm like, we didn't do all these things in our teens why are you worried about us now (laughs) when you actually could you know why are you worried about us now at 38 and 25 years old sneaking out the house it's so funny the other day my sister she was out and she texted me is mommy awake oh god (laughs) she's literally telling me like is mommy awake i was like yeah why she was like can you close her door I was like, what is happening right now? That's crazy. Speaking <laughs> in the house, you're 25 years old. What is happening? That's crazy. <laughs> but it's, it, you know, you guys share space. Yeah. So I get it to an extent. Um, it's my space. <laughs> but I'm, I, yeah, because I think about the day where it might be possible that I'm sharing space with my mom because I feel like I'm going to have to be the one to regulate the rules for her. Mm-hmm more so as it pertains to Jackson. Mm-hmm. And I can see her fighting me back on that because we've had that battle already, mm-hmm. especially when she sees how I parent my child. Mm-hmm. It's different from hers. It's different from hers. And you should be doing this and you should be doing that. And how come you didn't say this? Now, if I ask you for your opinion, that's one thing. 
but unsolicited. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm because at one time she was coming at me with all some stuff about Jackson, and I was looking bewildered. And she was like, "You don't understand what I'm saying." I was like, "I'm just trying to remember the part of when I asked you for your opinion because I didn't." You know what I mean? And you're trying to think of a way to say that respectfully because again, that's your mom. But at the same time, like you said, like you're going to have to give me that same respect. But like, this is my house. This is my child. I will parent the way I want to. And she'll even tell me how to co-parent with his father sometimes. Like, you shouldn't let this happen. And you shouldn't. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, slow down. Mm-hmm. But they feel like, because the, the common thing that I've heard, not just from my mom, but other people who have the same issue with their parent is like, well, I raised you and you came out all right. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm a whole nother person from Jackson. Like, not only that, but we're in a whole different time. We're in a different time. You didn't have to contend with social media and devices and screens and stuff. And you raise girls. I'm raising a boy. I have a co-parent. You did not. So you can't tell me I can't co-parent with his father because you didn't do that with my father because you made all the decisions and all the rules. You didn't have to consult with him. I have another parent that I have to run things by. And you can't say, don't do that. Mm-hmm. or why are you doing that mm-hmm. or whatever because she's not used to that so I was just like the way you parented us was very different because it was a totally different circumstance so again I got this you can be a person that I can come to when I need to vent or if I have an issue about something I can ask you from a mother's perspective of whatever and I always preface it with like I understand now Mm-hmm. how you felt and I understand how she feels now because you know at seven like you said we got a long road to go still with both of our kids but Jackson is going to be my only child as far as I know I hope God don't have no other plans and I don't know nothing about it but when he's gone he's gone right and boys tend to find a wife and come to this yes. new family girls might stay a little closer to home so I'm already like lamenting the day where I'm like ah. Oh, he got a wife. I hope that, I hope she liked me. So she, they don't put me in a home, <laughs> all this kind of stuff. But at the same time, I look at how my mother is with me and I'm taking notes on what not to do. Yeah. That means have my own life. Yeah. And I'm starting to do that now so that it's not a shock to me mm-hmm. when he gets 18 and he's off to Syracuse <laughs> or wherever, you know what I mean? Like I, I like you want to, he needs, our kids need us now. Right. Mm -hmm. But I want to be still so present in my own life that I don't know what to do with myself when I'm not a parent. Like I want to be able to look forward to him going to college. And I say, now I can travel. Now I can, I might be booed up with me a little young thing. You know, I I might be a little cougar situation going on. Who knows? Or even if I'm in a relationship or whatever, even if I'm not in a relationship with my girlfriends, just living my life for myself. Mm -hmm to the point where I don't feel like I still need to parent. Like I want to get to that because you're always going to worry about your kids, right? It it doesn't matter. As long as you're a parent, you're going to worry. Of course. But I want to get to the point where I've like, I did my job. Mm -hmm. I did it well. He doesn't need me the same way. And he can go off and be great in the world and just call me, just call and check on me. (laughs) Just make sure I'm good. And I'll do the same to the point where I don't feel like I need to parent. I feel like I've already parented him. Mm -hmm. And like you said, now I can be a consultant, mm-hmm. a confidant, a friend, a, an advisor, a person that you can go to for whatever. I'll always be here 
as your mom, just in a different capacity, because hopefully I will have done what I was supposed to do. Because I don't know that your original question was like, at what age do you stop parenting? I don't think there's ever an age where you're not a parent, but the actual act of parenting itself will probably come in different stages, right? It'll come when they, you know, go need advice for their first girlfriend or boyfriend, when they go off to college, when they graduate from college, how do I write this resume? How do I do an interview when they thinking about marriage, when they become a parent themselves, like you're always going to have something to impart on them as their parent, because nobody knows them better than you. Right. So it just is parenting, but with a different spin on it. It just looks different. Right. Right. So you don't ever stop parenting. You well, just, I, parenting takes on a different role. I think it just evolves as they get older. Okay. I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah. It definitely evolves and changes in dynamics. Right. Um, do I think, you know, when I, when I listen to the mom's interview, because everyone was so quick to say, oh my God, he's a Christian. <gasps> oh, Christian girls out there. Like, come on, please. Right. right. <laughs> you know, just because the little, you know, just because the little boy, and I am going to say little boy, because you're 33 years old, you're acting like that, and my eyes are so little boy. Right. Just because you're going to do that, you're going to record a snippet right. of your dad's behavior, but you're right. not going to record what led your dad to that reaction. Right. Because it wasn't like he came out of the, it wasn't like he came out of the blue and started cussing you out. Right. Something led up to that. Right. Which you probably did or said, you know what I'm right. saying? So when the when I listened to the mother's interview and the fact that she backed her up, the fact mm-hmm. that, you know, she wasn't bashing, the fact that she wasn't like, you know, Kurt this, Kurt that, he's hard, you know, the fact that she didn't do any of that. And the the very the thing that she said that struck me, and as a mom to a son, I was like, Oof. she said, I would rather have him toil and fight with his father than be snuffed out by a police and I was like oh. mm-hmm. yeah like ah that's a that that right there brought in you because right if somebody's going to get different. right you want it to be your parents not in, out in this world yeah yeah that brought in a whole because even now for me like I was like wow yeah of course of course and it's and it's because even the most respectable brown child raised without him being disrespectful to parents have that will encounter a cop these things a cop uh, whoever and you know it's something when you're trying to prepare them and and shelter them and you can't keep them safe all the time right so you want them to have respect for authority you want them to have all these things but you still want them to be fearless you still want them to stand up for themselves you still it's like this weird dance that you do as a parent like how much how much can you stand up for yourself? How much can you assert yourself in certain presence of certain people as right. a brown boy in America? Did so, you see the video yes. um, oh, oh, with the God. lieutenant oh, in the God. army being pepper sprayed in his car? This man is a full lieutenant in uniform with a whole American flag on his shoulder and their boy get out the car on the ground. He's, He's somebody's full afraid. Yeah, and him saying, I'm afraid to get out the car and you responding, you should be. And, and that's crazy. Like for a man to say that, again, a lieutenant yeah. in the army, armed services, to say, I'm afraid to get out of my car in the very country that he is defending, where I'm sure he has seen all kinds of stuff yes. 
as far as his training, combat guns, the things that he's he himself has been trained in to de-escalate, to to make these split seconds. And he's like, explain to me what's going on. This is not a man who pops off. You, you, I shouldn't say that because we don't know him, but you don't get the sense that he's a man that pops off at his dad. Right. It's a full respectful discipline. Like as, as most people who are in the armed services come with a level of discipline, respect for authority, all this kind of stuff. And all he's like, listen, what is the problem here? Like, I didn't do anything wrong. Why are you treating me like this? I'm a lieutenant. And for him to be like, you should be scared. I was watching that as a mother. Yes. Like there's nothing that it's it's like, no matter how well I raise Jackson, how respectful I make him, like tell him, yes, sir, show your hands. Don't do this. This man was in a full, identified himself as a lieutenant. Hands up and everything. And the kick on why they pulled him over, turns out the damn plate was in the, was in the window the whole time. Because it was a new car. It hadn't been registered yet. His temporary plate was in the car. Temporary the plate. Right. The, the temporary plate was there. Man, listen, when I tell you, I hope he gets every red cent that he's suing for, because that could have been so, that could have ended so much different. Like he has pepper spray in his face. His eyes are closed. He's like, I can't even see. And you're still trying to get out the car, get out the car. Take the seatbelt right now. He's like, he's I like, I reach for the seatbelt. Right. And he's like, I don't even know what to, like, imagine you can't see, you don't know if there's a gun pointed to your face. Mm-hmm. You don't even know if there's two guns. Cause there's two of them out in the one cop. Look, I should be afraid to get, I should be afraid. Now you want me to move without being mm-hmm. the ability to see, you want me to move to potentially go grab my seatbelt and you think I'm grabbing something else. And now I'm laid out with bullets. No, thank you, sir. You go ahead and unbuckle. Right. Cause that's why I was so glad he was like, I'm reaching for my seatbelt. And the guy was like, okay, fine. Like whatever. And I feel like the other cop that was there was so like, even he was confused. Like, why are we acting so crazy towards this man? Like, why are we over? It's just, but again, that you could tell that one, you could hear the hatred in his voice. Oh yeah. And he had a problem with the fact that he, this Lieutenant was not doing what he said do at the moment he wanted him to do it. When at the end of the day, he didn't have to get out of his car. He didn't. He didn't have to. And this is a lieutenant who knows his rights. And I feel like they, they get even more upset when you know your what your rights are. Mm-hmm. So again, the point being, this man was in danger and he was nowhere near a Kurt Franklin son. Okay. So imagine you do have a son like that who has a problem, not just with his father, but the whole, uh-huh. you know, imagine the rest of the world. And see, and again, like how you said, they only played a snippet. They mm-hmm. didn't play the part where Kurt Franklin called the counselor. Yes who counsel them yes. because that's the Christian in him. That's because most black parents don't do that. Like forget all these outside people. We're not calling no counselor, whatever. I'm gonna whoop that ass Girl. and then that's it. Square up, you a grown man, put your body Exactly. Let's go. Like, oh, you want to jump fly? It's gonna be some furniture moving around here. Like he still tried to, in love for his son, let's bring in another person to help us resolve that. That's love, that's a parent. Yep. Because parenting doesn't mean that you're perfect. It means you're doing the best what you feel like you can do in that moment out of the love for your child. Like you think what you're doing is, is the best thing. So the fact that, you know, when they said he called a counselor and the, and the boy didn't, and, and the crazy thing about it was when you think about what Kurt Franklin called him, <laughs> I was like, I see no, I detect no lies here. <laughs> he is acting a fool. Because if he called him a B-A-N, I'm not going to say it on this podcast, but you that sounds about right because only one of those 
would record their father, edit it and censor it to, to, to fit how you feel like you are trying to embarrass him and then release that for the world. Because all that did was confirm what Kurt Franklin already knows about his own child. Yeah. yeah. So that was another reason why I'm like, his response was probably, and this probably years and years of it. We only yeah, heard this. That's what, the mom, that's what the mom said. The mom said, this is, this is not just a first time. This is not, she's like, this is years of counseling, years of, you know, contention, years of strife, years of friction. And she said, you know, Kurt got things wrong. I got things wrong. He got things wrong. We got things wrong. We were, you know, we were, we were young parents. So she was like, mm -hmm. there's a lot that comes with that when you're young parents trying to raise a child, when you yourself are a child that doesn't know yourself. So she was like, of right. a lot of things that we got wrong, but we did our best to find ways right. to mitigate to bring mediation, to bring a counselor. She's like, this is years. This wasn't a, you know, out of the blimp, you know, right. thing. And this is not the person he's married to now, right? No, no, no. This is, this See, is and that's mother. very telling. And because... then she touched on that. She touched on that. She touched on how, you know, she understood that, you know, the, the son's feelings, you know, kind of, kind of, at, I guess, got agitated over the years as Kurt remarried and had other kids because it's kind of like that thing of oh he had to go over there to have a whole new family to be happy oh. to be happy with us but she was like that's very real that's but she was like but that wasn't the you know that wasn't the, it wasn't like he went and got married and forgot he already had a kid it wasn't like right he, he wasn't providing everything and Ricky Smiley chimed in um Steve Harvey chimed in these are people who know Kurt, who have seen Kurt with this with this man. So it's not like these were mm -hmm. people who were just chiming in, just to be chiming in. Ricky Smiley was like, I've been around this family. I've seen the things that Kurt does for his family. It was never, I forgot mm -hmm. I have a child over here while I'm over with my new family. Whatever my new family had, my first son also had. And she even mm -hmm. said, she was like, he provided as best as he could, how he could, when he could. And right. as things progressed, you know, and I also, a part of me is like, we live in this culture of clout and cancel culture where mm -hmm. everybody's trying to get put on by sensationalism, right? You know, by social media and going viral. So mm -hmm. it's just like, I wouldn't be surprised if next month he got an album coming out. Man. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> in that, in that instance, like you said, it's, it takes, it takes a special type of person to understand you are parenting providing advice, providing counseling, being a consultant. Prime example, Elijah, on sometime this week, it was some sentence that was in one of his work. And I think it said, um, boys are mean or something like that. It was, you know, in one of the, in one of the exercise. Mm -hmm. And he questioned his teacher. He was like, why did you say that? And she was like, oh no, sweetheart, I didn't say it. It's just, it's just the exercise that they were doing that was just happened to be, be a sentence. He took such offense to it. Mm -hmm. he took such offense to it that my baby was crying oh wow and you know at first I was agitated like well, what were you crying about like it's a sentence it's not about you <laughs> you know what I'm saying but then I mm -hmm. had to bring it down when I saw that he was actually upset so I started asking him questions like why are you upset I don't know but it just upsets me the sentence upsets me so I was like okay was the sentence about you no did the teacher say the sentence was about you? No. Did the teacher write the sentence? No. Did the teacher say all the boys in the class are wrong? No. 
Okay, so explain to me your feelings. What are you feeling right now? And he was just like, I don't like that sentence. That boys are mean because I'm not. And I said, mm-hmm. you're not. So you have to learn not to always take what people say as it being directly towards you because this was not directed towards you. So we had a conversation and we talked about his feelings in that moment. And I broke that and broke it down for him that, you know, think people are always going to say things to you in life. You just have to learn when to take something in as it's being directed to you and when to ignore things and when something is not even has nothing to do with you. And, you know, by the end of it, um, I was giving him examples and I was like, so if I say your hair is ugly, how do you feel? He was like, well, that's not very nice mommy. And I said, but how do you feel? He's like, but it's not true. And I said, exactly. You have to know what is true about yourself so that when people say things that are not true, you know, you can, you can brush it off. And he was like, right. you know, you're right. But it was in that moment. I had that moment where I could be like, boy, stop crying. What you crying about? Quit being so silly. Da, 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 da. You know, right. I started there, but then I had to pull back and really listen to my child and really get through why he felt such a strong reaction to a homework assignment that said, boys are mean. So, you know, we we have to take into the account that my son, your son, the way that there are their their demeanors are not this 33-year-old man because this 33-year-old man, had he been the one pull out at that gas station, he might not be alive because he would have reacted the right. same he reacted with his father. So it's right. like parenting, you're right, parenting never ends, but I do believe at some point. I can't baby you anymore. I think that's where I'm coming from. Because I see my mom and she looks at us like we're still babies in her yeah. style. And I'm like, we're not. We're grown. We're fully, yeah. fully grown. So yeah. when people say I'm parenting, for me, it's like, how old is your child that you're still parenting? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How right. Because we don't want mama's boys. Like we're raising someone that'll be somebody's husband, somebody's father, somebody's whatever. So you want them to be self-sufficient, and yeah. confident and, and all the things, but you still want to let it be known that I'm always here if you need me. Cause you'll never stop looking at your child as your child. And it's, it's, I, I see it coming just because I see how my sister is with my nephews who are now 17 and 14 And I see this man that my nephew is becoming and I'm so, so proud. Again, it's like this bittersweet thing of like, you want them to stay stuck at this age forever. Like, oh, please stay little. Mm -hmm. But then you look forward to all the great things that they are becoming. And I'm like, I see him as a man and he's starting like, auntie, Syracuse is number three on my list, but I really want to go out to California. And I'm like, no, like, and my heart is breaking for my sister. But at the same time, she's like, guys, go like your wings. And meanwhile, the dad is the one that's like, he ain't going nowhere. Like he's staying right here, whatever. My sister's like, let him go. Like, of course you don't, you know, you're going to miss him. It's funny because Jackson said to me the other day, he's like, mommy, when I go to college, I'm going to take you with me. And I was like, yeah, right, boy, keep that same energy when you get 18. And let's see what we're talking about. You're going to be a whole different kid. Like you're, you're a seven-year-old saying that. And he was like, well, are you allowed to live at college? And I'm like, no, but I can come visit you. And I'm always going to be around. Like whenever you need me, you can call me. I can come there. Like, I don't have to live there. You're not even going to want me to live there. Like trust and believe it's going to be. And, and, and let's, let's not get it twisted. The first day when my mom dropped me off at school, 
and she left, I cried like a baby. <laughs> like I'm not even going to lie. So even though we are saying now, like we're fully grown and our parents look at us like little kids, we always need our mommies mm-hmm. and daddies too. Mm-hmm. Like I was 18. I was very clear that I was going away to school. I was excited about it. And literally watching my mom drive away, like I had tears, like I'm by myself. Right. My mommy is gone. Like it hits you in that moment. Like I felt it for her because I felt it myself. And she was, she didn't cry when she, like she cried in the car. Like I didn't say on Friday, like she gonna cry when she get in the car. And she did. Like she said, when she got like a good 20 minutes away, that's when the waterworks happened. And same thing with me. And and I, I called her and I was like, I cried when you left. And she was like, well, go buy yourself a plant. That'll make you feel better. I don't know why <laughs> that was the thing, but I literally went out, went out to the student center, found a plant <laughs> and did what she told me and brought it back to my room. And somehow I felt better to have this life in my room. So that was a parenting thing. Go buy a plant. Yeah. And I did it and I felt better. So like, just like we're saying, like, when do you stop parenting? It's like, when do you stop being somebody's daughter too? Because I feel like in some regards, I will always look to my mom mm-hmm. for guidance. I will always listen to what she has to say. I will always, t- I, might, I might not do it. I might not, you know, take the advice that she's giving me, but I always know it's coming from a place of love and because she wants the best for me and because whatever. So even if it is, not always well received because she feels like as the mom, she has the right to tell me what to do and things. I, even if it's frustrating me, I know the place that it's coming from. And as her daughter, and I told her this several times, like, I will always need you mm-hmm. as my mommy, just not the same way. Mm-hmm. It's just different. So you're, you're always going to be my parent, but you don't have to parent me the same way. Now I want you to be that for Jackson. Now I want you to look out for him the way you looked out for me, but realizing also that he is his own person. He's different. The situation is different. So it's an ongoing conversation. And as long as we're both willing to have it and and have it respectfully, that's great. But you know, me and my mom have gotten into it a few times, like where I had to like assert myself in a way where she sees me as an adult. So not being just because, you know, especially black parents, you checking them is a sign of disrespect they don't look at it as you asserting or commanding respect for yourself they look at it like I are you talking back right I'm like I'm 48 (laughs) I'm not talking back I'm letting you know my house my child my rules yeah and I'm just like nah like you can't have it both ways like you can't be asking me to give you money for your roof but then tell me what to do at the same time like I'm I'm we grown so you know I say all that to say like it's, it's just one of those things that I didn't understand until I became a parent. And now that I see it as a daughter and as a mom, I just have to make sure that I remember these moments mm-hmm. and these times where I'm trying so hard to assert boundaries and respect for myself that when Jackson gets to be an adult, I do this. I remember this moment. Because I can't say that because we we tend to do things that sometimes our parents have done if we're not cognizant of it. And so I'm just going to make sure I don't do try my best not to do those things and remember that I raised him well and that I don't have to parent him the same way. So I just hope that when he gets to be an adult, this is not a conversation he's having with me and he's pulling a Kurt Franklin son (laughs) 
on me because <laughs> guess what baby me and Kirk will have the same type of response <laughs> and as it stands now we don't have that relationship thank God um, and I hope our relationship continues that way we can have a mutual communication where we can talk to each other in ways where we respect each other and that I grow him and lead him in a way where he doesn't need me to lead him forever so. and for me um, I have I have two sides of the coin warring within me because I have the mom I have my mom who I'm essentially taking care of and don't get me wrong I am in no way resentful of that I am I am grateful that I get to do it mm -hmm. because I lost my father so suddenly right so where it's I was always prepared to lose my mom because you know she's had ailments since she was like 43 Mm -hmm. I was always prepared mentally, not emotionally. You're never prepared emotionally. Never, yeah. Where mentally I wrap my head around that someday it's going to happen sooner than I probably would like. When my dad died first, it was a total shock to my system. Mm -hmm. So now when I look at my mom, I know she thinks she's a burden to me. Because, you know, she always feels like, you know, she goes, well, how much do I owe you? I'm like, mom, it's fine. Mm -hmm. I see it now as a privilege and right. I'm grateful that I am here, that I, I do get to take care of her and that I do get to, you know, make sure however long we get to prolong her life, however long I have to, you know, change her diet, however long I have to force feed her buckwheat and, you know, <laughs> all mm -hmm. the time that she doesn't want if it means I get to prolong the time that she's here if it means I get to prolong her seeing her grandchild graduate high school I'm gonna do it because mm -hmm. my dad won't my right. dad won't get to see his only grandchild graduate high school his only grandchild go to college he won't get to see these things so now I'm in the position where I'm like mom dad like I bet that episode of um, Golden Girls where Sophia was like, oh, I've been gay at this time. A little something mm -hmm. about my mom. A little something about my chest. And Dorothy was like, what are you What are you trying to pickle yourself until you're 100? And she was like, fine, tomorrow I'll die. <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. Like these things where I'm just like, whatever I have to do to get your health to the point where you will see your grandson graduate college or graduate high school, I'm going to do it because I only have you. Right. I only have you. Right. So I look at it totally different and I feel a totally different emotion about it. And, um, you know, I definitely parent Elijah different from how my mom parented me. I'm Haitian. Ain't no such thing as, how are you feeling? That what? <laughs> what is that question? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sorry I hurt your feelings. What? Please, my mother would never. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I'm taking into account that I am raising a child, that I am raising a son. I'm raising him by myself in a world that is going to see him as a threat at some point in his life because of, mm -hmm. his skin, because of his height, because of his built. When I'm looking at a soft teddy bear, mm -hmm. that's my baby. Right. But at the same time, like you said, I can't let the fears and the situations of the world hinder him from growing into all that God has. Um, right. The topic of, you know, when do you stop parenting? I, you know, it, it all depends on who you ask. So 
I know and it depends on your kids on your kid yeah you know if you have a child who is who has mental disabilities who has physical disabilities you're going to be parenting them for the rest of your life and Mm -hmm. and possibly theirs you know Mm -hmm. um and you know it's just different dynamics different situations that bring you to the space of at some point I have to cut the cord but I don't have to like go Mm -hmm. I can cut it and still hold a little piece of it Mm-hmm. that whenever he gets lost he still has that that you know that little tether that just says okay here's my mom I can come back to my mom mm-hmm. I my child to feel like all right I'm kicking you out the nest go ahead be great you know yeah. over here and I think that's a disservice that a lot of that America honestly does to kids at 18 we're like all right figure it out <laughs> or or you don't let them go and you don't give them a chance to fail and don't give them a chance to whatever. Cause you, you, the hope is because it's not just you parenting, right? They have outside influences in the world that are going to pull them and whatever. So my hope is that I lay the foundation, right? So that when he goes off the path, he can come right back. Like, cause we're all, we all have done it and we all will. And he will, I know for a fact, he's going to have friends, influences, things that we even things that we didn't have to contend with on a different level that are going to sway him that are going to make him question what he has been taught and all these things but my hope is that whatever it is that leads you off mm-hmm. mama what mama taught you will bring you back yes and you can still come back get right back on the track and and pick yourself back up and make your mistakes because you have to make mistakes in order to grow and learn and whatever. So give them the room to make mistakes because then you got these parents who are so they shelter their kids. They do want to do all these things that they cripple them in a way that they don't cut the cord ever. They keep them so close that they don't know how to function in the world. They don't know how to take care of themselves and all that stuff. So it's a dance that you have to do. You have to know your child, like let go little by little by little. Cause again, we're, we are only preparing them to leave from the time they are born. They do not belong to us. We guide them and let them go. They don't belong to us. They belong to God. They, we hopefully just prepare them for when it's time to let them go. And and, you know, and what you just said is it's actually biblical. Yeah. The Bible tells you train up a child in the way that he should go. So that when he grows, he will not depart from it. Yeah. If you've laid the foundation, you've given him the tools to successfully leave the home. Right. Matter what, you know, the road twists and turns may be that foundation is there to be like, okay, let me remember how I remember my life. Mm-hmm. I remember yeah. my life. So if you're not laying good foundations ahead of time, and at the same time, you could some some kids, I, some kids, you can right. all the foundations and give them all the things you want in the world, but it's just some kids, their nature is just like F you. <laughs> right. And that's when you got to pray over them and just hope, you know, and not for nothing, you have to be open as a parent to learn from your kid too. Cause we don't know it all. And we don't like, maybe the foundation we try to lay is not the right one. Like if you have racist parents or if you have homophobic parents, or if you have these type of parents and you know that they're wrong in their beliefs. And cause like you just said, you have a Haitian mama and is not used to asking how you're feeling and all the things. It's up to us to trust our kids to recognize when we're wrong too. Like I learned from Jackson just as much as he learns from me. And it's like, you have your core values and things like that. But at the same time, like if he says to me, like, mommy, I don't believe that. Or I don't like that. Like how Eli was saying, I don't like that sentence or whatever. Part of good parenting too, is knowing that you don't know everything and that your kid has valid feelings and thoughts about things and, and all like that too. So it's like, 
it's not like a question of when do you stop parenting? It's like, when are you going to, there's never a time to stop learning mm-hmm. as a parent either, mm-hmm. because you parent, sometimes how you parent is how your child is, right? And you can't parent effectively without knowing your kid and listening to them and valuing their opinions and, and their feelings and validating them too. So you can only parent as long as your child helps you to do that because yep. we wouldn't be parents without them. So yeah, it's a two-way street at, at, at this point, you know? And sometimes you only get one time. To, like, I don't have a, like, Jack is not my practice child. He's my child. <laughs> like, whatever it is I do with him is what I do because it's not going to be anybody else. To, like, that's it right there. <laughs> yeah, I'm not making no mistake. You know, the mistakes I make with him land with him. There's not like another child is going to be the beneficiary of the things I learned from him. He's it for me. So I I don't know it all, you know? And I, and, but as long as I operate from love and his best interest and he knows that even even in knowing that I might be wrong or he might not agree with me but he still knows I'm coming to him from love then I think that's all I can do Absolutely. and that's how I'm going to approach it for the rest of both of our lives so, so this that's my baby he always, always will be but he's somebody's <laughs> man one day right God back either <laughs> yeah you know I just want him to still like me I want his, I just want his wife to like me that's all so that's like, my please, baby please take care of me <laughs> Oh, you know, if I don't find a man to help let I grow old with, please don't just, you know. Please don't let your wife lock me up somewhere, please. Yeah, don't let her put me in the basement. <laughs> Nobody puts baby in the corner. He's going to put me in a home. At least let it be a fly one. Don't let it be yeah. a dilapidated where they beat you one. <laughs> you know, that's why I got to stay in the gym now. Like, I, I don't want to be decrepit for a long time to have to put, you know. No, that's right. You know, I'm just hoping to live long enough to see a grandchild. Forget about the parenting part. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope he, hope he's ever with whoever he's with likes me. That's all I care about. So we thank you guys for listening. And um, I think this is a topic that I think not just single moms, but moms and parents in general um, probably war with, especially if you've got teenagers in the house right now. God bless you. college kids kids coming back home because of rona god bless you if you've Mm -hmm. got toddlers in the home i pray for you Mm -hmm. (laughs) we've got elementary kids period just period period. so we think this is a topic that you know probably begs for you guys to have with your kids and just kind of take the temperature of your children i think we really i know i advocate um listening to your child rather than just telling your child what to do mm-hmm. I think that's why we have the kids that we do and we have the relationship that we do with our boys is because we have made it a safe where I'm I'm not gonna let you pop off at the mouth but I will let you express how you're right. feeling so take this I think you guys can take this episode as a really benchmark to kind of really evaluate the relationship you have with your kids whether they're grown or not you know mm-hmm. whether they're grown or not are you respecting them as adults are they respecting you as you know parents have you cut the cord is he still in your basement <laughs> you know is he still coming to you to wash his clothes with a whole wife at home you right. know these are the things you really kind of have to think about because as the world evolves and changes parenting styles change the way my mom raised me as a Haitian mom is not how I'm raising my child I've taken some of her values but mm-hmm. he knows if he's sad and he's crying he can come talk to me he can tell me mommy you hurt my feelings he can tell me mommy that hurt he can tell me these things and I'm not going to react you know in an in an aggressive way I'm going to right. take the time to you know be a parent to you know the child that I'm raising so chime yeah. in guys let us know I think I think this one's a good one you 
guys, you guys have been doing us a solid with the listens and we listening uh, to this week, last week. We hope you join us next week. And um, <laughs> thank you guys for listening. I'm Farrah Joseph. I'm Brooke Dean. Oh, single mom. See you doing the most. See you next week. See you next week.